Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. All right, guys. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Yeah, sorry. Back. No, I, I didn't on, know. I stepped on your toes. This is your ball right now, Jesse. We no, were so hot and bothered during the break talking about yep. breaking news. You didn't step on my toes. It's just that I can't think about anything because Patrick Dempsey is the sexiest man alive. Oh, and I you're mean, good with that. I'm great with that. Are you kidding? McDreamy? So, he's like so a... Here, he's so I, hot. I, I guess here's what I don't understand is when they pick it, are they going on looks, relevancy now? Where What are they doing now? I mean, I, that's what I, I don't... I don't know the criteria. Sex, I think it's people's sexiest man alive, so it's probably sexiest. are you real sexy or not? Yeah. And I mean, if you're not real sexy, you're probably not going to be on the list. Didn't he win this like 20 years ago when he was McDreamy? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember, but... Still got it. Are you of all people shaming No, no, no. I'm I'm not denying that he's still McDreamy. He definitely is. Now with a little bit of that, that you know, is a silver in the hair, I think that's a fantastic look. I just, it just seemed like that they would do someone more of today who's like popular now today. It just shows the staying power of McDreamy, you know? And also, He's good looking. I want to just, cl- it's a big wing for short kings. He's 5'9", so we just got to mm, clap mm. it out for him, a short do king. We? we love to see it. I mean, so we're going, so a thin neck. I don't know if this show in particular stands a short king, but yeah. you know. Yeah. It, well, so, I'm saying we're showing love to a short king because you guys have been genetically blessed with height. Okay. So, okay, there we go. Yes. So according to Charlotte with the thin neck, thick neck, this we have a thin neck winner then. Oh, he's for sure a thin necked yeah. man. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, Absolutely. All right. All right. For, you know what? For more help on digesting this extremely disappointing <laughs> news, I have to imagine a man who was very excited about the prospect of Jason Kelsey being named people's sexiest man. Andrew Whitworth, former NFL offensive tackle and current Thursday night uh, Thursday night football on Prime analyst, joins us now. Whit, big blow for the O-line community today, man. How are we feeling after Jason's loss here? You know, I'm still proud of him for being honored. You know, speaking of thick necks that are trying to figure out how to become thin necks, you know what I mean? I feel this is right. Great segue to me. Uh, yeah, I look, man, I was happy for him. You know, we need, we need more love out there. Seeing Big Kelsey even being in the conversation, I thought it was great. I'm going to get a chance to see him this weekend as he's joining, or this week as he's joining us uh, on Amazon Prime this week. I, I And I didn't, re- we didn't realize that. The other se- athlete sexiest men alive, there's been two. There's been David Beckham, which we understand, and The Rock, which I get as well. So Jason, and put Jason in there now with, with those three. I love it because Jason obviously has the best beard. You know, there is that full, thick beard. But uh, for you two old linemen here, there has to be just such joy that you see a little guy with a little bit of a pot belly and and big old, you know, old linemen, you know, be winning this award. Uh, there's no, no doubt. I, I mean, you know, being cranky centers. I mean, who who's a better sexiest man in the world than an old <laughs> cranky center in the NFL? I mean, we all know their personalities, and I couldn't be more excited for him. But uh, you know what? He's the man. I, I really have enjoyed getting to see us all get an inside look into his life and everything else with his doc and, and obviously the Eagles' success. But it's been a lot of fun, man. So you mentioned he's going to be up with you guys on Thursday night this week, which will be exciting to kind of hear his perspective. Uh, Going into this matchup that 
listen, we know on paper, not the sexiest matchup in the world between Carolina and the Chicago Bears, but, you know, especially with Jason's perspective, and I'd be curious for yours, as both guys who have been on lines that have had to break in young quarterbacks, what you've made of both of these situations, maybe starting with I Bryce know. Young. He's the number one overall pick in the draft this season, and he's playing behind an offensive line that we expected to be a lot better and has struggled a little mm-hmm. bit. What are those conversations you have about, a rookie trying to go out there and make it work as that unit in front of him still coming together? Well, I think that's the, really the challenge, right? I think that you look at a lot of these young quarterbacks, I think it's so important that they have a veteran offensive lineman that they can really lean on. Some guy that's that captain-type individual on their team because they need that guy in their ear throughout the season really convincing them that not only, you know what, this is the NFL and there's going to be struggles and all those things, that you know, responding to adversity, but – just the little nuances that, hey, man, as a quarterback, you'd mean a lot to the line if you did X, Y, and Z. You know, if you communicated in this certain way with us in certain situations in the game. I think all those little things that you just kind of are in their ear about throughout their career. I mean, I did it with Andy Dalton when he was a rookie, with Jared Goff when I got to L.A. I got to see who how Carson Palmer was when I got to Cincinnati originally. So, you know, I think those little nuances really ha- are helpful to those guys. And you look at Bryce Young's situation, it's a young line for the most part. You know, one of his veterans, Austin Corbett, just came back in recent weeks. Um, you know, so I think that it's really one of those things that offensively they're struggling and he needs somebody there that's like, hey, man, listen, here's some little things that we could be better at. Let's let's get off of the win and loss thing and let's just find those little nuances that we could do better as an offense. So on the other side of that with Justin Fields, I, I when there was that talk in the beginning of the season about trade him for the, uh, one of the, the top picks this year, I was one of those. No, I, I think this guy has a lot of potential. How about building around him a little bit? You know, that that could have an effect as well. And the issue with him, obviously, he's turned the ball over a lot and we're still waiting to see, you know, that next step. Where are you in how much is he still playing for his job in Chicago or the fact that Chicago may have already be thinking about moving on? Well, I think you really look at it with the, with the position Chicago's in. I think it's unique. You you look at Carolina's situation, really, with the decision they made with Bryce Young and the trade up in the draft. They're pretty much locked into, hey, this is how we're going to get better in the next few years. There's not a lot of draft capital in the sense of just a first-round pick or ways to change much that's going on there. You're, you're missing a lot of pieces. But in Chicago, I mean, you've got the baseline of DJ Moore. You've got a Mooney who they're trying to get under contract. You've got some good skill set. You're running the football well. You know, you look at it, they have some young offensive linemen to build around. You've now added Montez Sweat. you got all these picks. So to me, I really look at it as, you know, Eberflus and probably Justin Fields himself. It's like, hey, we need to make sure these are the right people. Is this the right coach here? Do we believe in him over the next, you know, last half of this season? And Justin Fields, hey, can you get healthy and show us that you're who we should build around? Because we've got an opportunity in the next six months to really make a difference. And and you've seen some of these teams be able to do this when they get this much capital and this much money to spend. They could make a significant change in the offseason as far as getting better as a football team and a franchise. They've just got to make sure they're going forward with the right people. And, hey, is this who we believe in and we're committed to? And let's build this thing around Justin Fields. So I think it, him getting healthy and be able to show this last half of the season, you're the guy so that we can make sure all those picks and all that capital goes to pieces around you is really, really pivotal for this Chicago franchise. Wait, I think that's actually a really good transition into another team that's got, I think, a similar situation. Is that how you view what the Arizona Cardinals have going on right now? Kyler Murray, obviously different, a guy they signed to a second contract, but as he's getting ready to make his season debut, do you think he's also playing for his job in the back half of this year? I think you got to believe he is. I mean, with those picks and in that situation, I always think whenever you're a quarterback, I don't care what you're getting paid and what the situation is, that relationship between the head coach, the quarterback, and really the organization is one that really dictates your future going forward. And uh, I think have, and the reason I say that is that, you know, Jonathan didn't sign him and he didn't sign up to be his quarterback. So will he make a decision that, hey, at the end of the season, 
I want to go a different direction. And is it possible for us to do that? And so I think that that's really going to be pivotal. You look at what happened with the Jared Goff trade. It really came down to not that Sean McVay didn't believe in Jared Goff, just that, you know what, their relationship, how they were wired, he was like, you know what, this just isn't – I made this decision. I regret it. I, I think that I would rather move a different direction. And, and so the trade happened. And it really came down to just – I don't really think personality-wise we're going to be able to go forward together. I just, for me, it's not the best thing. And so I think that it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals decide there. You know, with Kyler, we've talked about it, his demeanor sometimes, his attitude sometimes during these games. Will they want to commit to that and 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 see if this new coach believes in Kyler Murray being the guy that he wants to move his career forward as a head coach? And we also bring up that part about, the injury protection, if he were to get hurt and not pass a physical in March, he's guaranteed $30 million. So they're playing with that as well if they put him on the field, which which can be real interesting. All right, Whit, I, I have back-to-back questions here for you about the Eagles. They just get the win over the Cowboys. They have their bye, and then they have a hell of a stretch. Chiefs, Bills, uh, 49ers, and Cowboys again. First, uh, you – all of us have been on the line, me on one side, you guys on the other, and done short yardage and goal line plays. So if all of a sudden you now, you're done playing, you have a coaching cap on now, and you're getting ready to play the Eagles, you know you have to get ready for the brotherly shove. How are you instructing or working on your defense to stop that? You know, I think I've seen about every effort out there. I, I'm probably going to end up being Micah Parsons just taking it a ride for a ride for three and a half yards last week. You know, I I thought that was probably the funniest clip of the whole game, just watching him sit on top of the pile while it moved for three yards. But, you know, I, I think it's amazing to see their success rate at it. Every week I feel like I watch and I go, all right, this team that they're playing this week has got a plan and we're about to see it get stuffed, and then we're going to see what they have to do off of it. And every single week, they find a way to get it done. And I, I can't wait. I mean, being around Jason the next couple of days, I, I have so many questions, man. I want to figure this out because I, I don't understand how he every single time is able to oh. keep that leverage battle, win that battle. And, and people are going to say about all his height and all this bull crap. We've seen plenty of guys lose that leverage battle regardless of their size. And he is absolutely insanely good at it. And and so is their entire line. And so I really want to know how they train it, because to me, it's it's really unbelievable to see the efficiency and, and really effectiveness they have with that play. I don't know how you'd stop it, because right now nobody's proven they can. You're, you're right. I think and too, I think he entered the league at six two. He'll leave the league at five ten uh, because yeah. of that play. To me, I, I, I've been screaming forever. Stop jumping. Or exactly what happened yes. to Micah Parsons is going to happen. You're like on the on a wave on a surfboard and just getting taken. My thought, Wit, is put two guys behind your interior D lineman and push them. Push them right back like yes. they're pushing like the Jalen Hurts. The old field goal block. Yes. Yeah. Try yep. something like that. And we'll see uh, if somebody comes up with something. So the second question is, we've seen other teams try it and other teams fail at it. We've seen them succeed the Eagles all the time. And we know it's going to go in front of the competition committee. Next year when the season starts and the first third and one for the Eagles, will they be allowed to use that play still? I think they're going to be allowed to use it. I I, I think it'll be hard for the league to really stop it. I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you look at the injury rate, really, it's not something that's just alarming and, and jumps off at you. And uh, it'd be silly to me for them to, to really just go after one play without really an injury-related reason to say that, you know, with proof. I mean, not something you hypothetically think that injuries are going to happen. And uh, the only argument I've ever said against it is that, you know, you are. we did get that removed from field goal and PATs, being able to push on the defensive side. So if you're not allowed to push on the defensive side, why would you be allowed to do that on the offensive side would be, you know, the greatest argument against it. But let me tell you something. As a rookie in the NFL, when you come into the league and, you know, Haloti Nagata is getting pushed by Ray Lewis, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's a lot of fun on PAT. Let me tell you something. The field goal, you know, when the coach says, hey, listen, this is just, it's only going to last for a few seconds. You're going to end up on the back of your head and your teammates will pick you up. Just just go with it, you know. Uh, it's uh, It's a brutal moment, that's for sure. It is a brutal, violent moment right now that is skewing in favor of the offense this time, which is, I think, why I've enjoyed it so much. And with overall, big picture in the league, it seems like that's one of the few areas. Everyone's talked about what a defensive renaissance it's felt like we've seen this year. So many great units, a lot of D-lines living behind the backfield. 
for you as someone that most recently had to try and block a lot of the mutants that we see up front on defense, what do you attribute all the defensive success we've seen early in this season to? Yeah, I think you really look at it. It's, you know, obviously there's a lot of great individual players out there, but I think that, you know, as I kind of study the game and also as my last couple of years in it, man, the challenges that D coordinators and, and some of these rush specialist guys are able to create uh, for offensive lines and, and really the quarterback and schemes and stuff is, is like no other. I mean, I can remember, you know, early in my career, it was like, hey, you got to figure out how to pass a TE and an ET, right? And now it's like, Man, you got people twisting and stunting and moving from all over the place. You don't know who's rushing, who's not rushing. You're getting picked from one side to the other. Uh, you know, I just think that, you know, they've been able to do a great job of matching, you know, what they do up front to the coverages they're going to play behind and really keeping teams, you know, with a little bit of a guessing on these third and longs and third, second and longs. And so I think it really you see that as a struggle and then also teams have gotten so good i feel like every single week i sit up here i study our stuff and i go into the game and I go wow this this team's really bad in the red zone and then i go you know the next week it's like oh these two teams really bad in the red zone it's like i i it, everybody's struggling in the red zone apparently and so i you know it's like these defenses have gotten so good in those short areas whenever you condense really the yardage there in the red zone to where you can't really throw it over people's heads now you know what the, the vertical stretch isn't there it just shows you how good these defenses are getting they've been able to defend every play and so uh i think it's just uh, that evolution of defenses are catching up a little bit right now but somebody's going to find a way offensively yeah. to find that thing that kind of creates that separation here eventually so true there there's so much many more stunts i think i'm with you being run this year on the d line and a lot of that is because they're working so you keep doing what's working we talked at the beginning of the season. I think everybody agreed the depth of the AFC, you know, the potential winners uh, that you could have out of there. Do we think it's that deep anymore? Do are, are we are we going three like Kansas City and Cincinnati the way they're playing now and Baltimore the way they're playing now? Are we still going deeper? That it seems like the number is shrinking. I agree. I think the numbers definitely shrunk, and I, I think that you know I had this conversation last week in our production meetings. We we're talking about you know. Do you feel drunk sometimes trying to follow the league and figure out who's good? It's like, I'm so confused. Like, who's good, who's not? And I said, you know, I don't think we are. I think that, you know, the reality is, is, is with everything we are week to week with fantasy football and, and you know, and betting and everything else in, in sports, it kind of drives us to be driven to, hey, just what happens in this exact moment? And, and you get disappointed. But the reality is, if you sat back and said, let me – dissect who are the top teams in the NFL and who are the best of the best in every conference. And let me tell you why this team's going to lose at the end of the day. You can dwindle it down to probably the five or six teams on, you know, both sides combined that are going to be there at the end. And we're all going to be watching to see how it ends up. And so I, I think that to me, that's really, it's a shorter list than probably we want it to be, but we just don't want to sit down yet and define it. Well, unfortunately, I'm going to ask you before we let you go, who would you put on top of that list right now? If you had to say this is the best team in the NFL at this point, who would it be right now based on all that? I think in the NFC, I mean, for me, it's still the Niners and the Eagles that, uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, they're going to be there playing to see who goes, you know, and San Francisco is going to need to be healthy. And then on the other side, I, I, I don't think much has changed. I'm going to say that one of these two teams has to be the team that represents out of the North and, uh, AFC North, and so I'm, I'm going Bengals. And I said at the beginning of the year, I thought it'd be a Niners-Bengals Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I've at times felt a little shaky about that the last seven weeks, but uh, you know what? The Bengals have been on a roll, baby, and so I'm riding with them. But I, I think it's going to be Chiefs-Bengals again, and uh, I think that the Joe Burrow and uh, Joe Cool gets to go play the Niners, a little rematch, the third time of, uh, you know what? The Bengals have come out on the wrong side of that Super Bowl a few times, but they're going to get back in there, baby, and this time Joe Cool's going to get it done. Diamond strong hands from Andrew Whitworth holding on to that Bengal stock from early in the season. He weathered the storm, and now he gets to march to the, the promised land. Baby. Let's go. <laughs> Whit, we appreciate the time as always, man. Looking forward to you and Jason chopping it up on Thursday night with the rest of the crew on Prime. Appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thank you guys, man. Have a great one. Thanks, Whit. I, I Mike, I can't wait till he talks to to Jason Kelsey about about the brotherly shove. I mean, you just you just see him get up after each one of those. Everybody, you know, yeah. helping him up at the end of them. Just just how much it looks like it hurts. <laughs> 
on that play. I, I, honestly, the thing I'm most amazed by is that they have had, and I, I, I almost don't want to like say it and jinx it, but that he gets the snap off every time yeah. in that environment. Yep. Because the hardest thing as a center, I was trying to have this conversation with someone last week when an errant snap ended one of the games, and your body's constantly going in different directions that are sometimes in opposition of where your arm's going. It's similar to being a quarterback in that you drill it and you do it over and over again to try and account for, hey, when I got to reach someone and run real wide, I have to make sure that I'm cognizant my arm motion has to stay the exact same way because I got to get the ball back to the quarterback. In a short yardage situation, Dad, as you've always described, it's elbows and bleep holes in these spots yep. where you're getting ready to try and go down at somebody's knees as hard as you possibly can, and you got to snap the ball up and back and do that before everything else. I'm amazed he gets through that, but for the crowd that says, why don't they just run this every play, you're right. Look at Jason Kelsey's face after each one of those <laughs> and tell me a little part of that man doesn't die every yes. single time they do that. No wonder you've got to try and maximize the potential for that because it's hell on earth for that dude oh just it's brutal it's brutal yet he'll do it until the day he retires and like i said it'll be about five inches shorter yeah exactly we saw if if retirement wasn't already on his mind after the documentary we saw yeah. i'm sure another season of brotherly shoves will add to that coming up next let's get to the college football playoff committee's next round of rankings all right guys let's talk about jaegermeister they could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. All right, guys, the second CFP rankings were released last night. So we have Ohio State at one, Georgia at two, Michigan at three, and Florida State at four, then, you know, at five, we have Washington, six, Oregon, seven, Texas, eight, Alabama. Guys, Ohio State, this is interesting, still plus 110 to make the CFP on the DK Sportsbook despite the number one ranking. What are our thoughts um, for these rankings? Obviously, there's still a lot of potential for movement here, guys. Yeah, so nothing really changed this week, Dad, in terms of what we saw up top. We have now reached the CFP eliminator portion of the season where we can pour one out for our fallen homies at Oklahoma <laughs> who got dropped in the last round of Bedlam that we've got on the books. And so now with two losses, they're out of it. That's why you see Alabama moves up, Ole Miss moves up to nine. Penn State now in at number 10, hugely important because as we get to more of the Eliminator, Dad, this weekend is going to be the most impactful weekend in terms of its effect on the rankings that we've had for the college football playoff so far because you've got Penn State and Michigan finally playing. Michigan gets its first real test of the season in this game here. You've got Utah on the road against Washington in the Pac-12, USC against Oregon, Ole Miss against Georgia. So you've got a bunch of games with high-level implications going forward. Because right now, Dad, I look at the rankings from last night and I struggle to get too fired up about it. It's exactly where we saw everyone before. The same head-to-head -head still kind of mattering at this point. And so we are where we are. Yeah, I, I, I don't get too, you know, lit up about this either, quite honestly. Uh, I, I really don't. Um, Ohio State being Wait. where they are. Yeah. Speaking of lit up, why are you constantly changing your, colors right now? Your, your, your mother walked in here and said, why do the other two look healthy on here and you don't? She put this, the ring up here, which I did not have on. She put it up and she's messing with it. She was just in here messing with it and I was changing colors. I feel like I'm green now. So Yeah, you I, look I, green. You look sickly I, now. Mom came in and said, Chris, we looked healthy, and she made you look sicker. And start moving this thing again because I look sickly now. So she, she's doing it while we're on air. She needs to get back in here and do it again. 
because I, I have a green tint to me right now that she needs to change. So yeah, and she's doing all this while you're giving me your CFP breakdown. She's standing in front of me, changing the the the, the color scheme. Yeah, yeah you look like not, the rainbow for a second. It looked like the Wonka tunnel scene. It's I not know, helping your case for she, golden sexiest man alive. She's, she's running back no. in here now. She's about to start doing it again. Uh, there's blue, oh, now yellow. Uh, go back to the... Uh, no. What if we just turned the ring light off? What if we just there. turned the ring light no. off and stopped doing there? this on air? Well, I think it's fun, though, don't you? Yeah, it's kind of like I, excitement. I'm sure it's great for the podcast audience. They're oh, yeah. loving this. Podcast audience, I'm changing colors as we speak is what's going it's on. It's something to behold. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> maybe just turn it off now, hon. What do you think? No, she's not. She is dead set on leaving it. So <laughs> Why are you doing do Mom, thing? you've been a way yeah. too long to be changing yeah. stuff on air like this she is doing her thing and you know what i'm doing 36 years of marriage i'm letting her do it say so thank you honey fine. say thank you honey it's exactly right I love now, it. now to to the rankings um uh, I, I i've been one of those i i it doesn't matter what people are fighting should ohio state be number it's all gonna work out whenever you have the teams ohio state's gonna play michigan you know, it's going to work out. And I agree about this week. It's going to show some things. And I think one of the things it's going to show is Penn State's going to be out of the top 10 because I think they're going to get run uh, by Michigan. I Georgia starts to play a little more, you know, starts to play their difficult part of their schedule where Bama, you know, has beaten a number nine, a number 13, a number 19. Georgia now is going to play a number nine, you know, Tennessee or, or Ole Miss, a number 13, uh, Tennessee. So they're going to start to play these teams. So we'll start to see it a little more. My question, Mike, because this is what we do. We do the hypothetical thing. And I'm just going to tell you where I'm going to give you this. I think Michigan runs a table. So I think they're going to be in. Okay. I think Florida State runs a table. So they're going to be undefeated and they're going to be in. And then let's, let's just, let's, if Washington loses, okay. If Washington loses, now you have them with a loss, Oregon with a loss, uh, with a loss, and what if Alabama beats Georgia? Now Georgia has a loss, Bama has one loss, and Texas wins out. Texas beat Alabama. I mean, who's that fourth team getting in? You know, from from actually, it'd be two more you would need, right? Because Michigan's undefeated and Florida State's undefeated. And then you have a bunch of one-loss teams that that scenario works out from Georgia, Alabama, Washington, Oregon, Texas for two spots. Yeah, essentially, you're talking about if we end up with a bunch of one-loss conference champions, right? That's what you're looking at here. If we end up with fewer undefeated conference champions and a bunch of one-loss conference champions, who does that favor? I'll say right off the bat, I don't think we're getting a conference with two teams in the playoff this year. I think that's going to be extremely difficult. I think that... Oregon would probably be the one for me that jumps to mind. And I know last night, Greg McElroy was up on the college football set making a case for Alabama because of how they've looked recently, because of some of the ranked wins that they now have on their schedule, most recently LSU this past weekend. But I would say for Oregon, who's also going to have a chance for a couple of ranked wins now with USC this weekend, who, listen, once they beat them, would drop out, would no longer, or uh, sorry, is no longer ranked. They're no longer ranked. That was the prior weekend. But they're going to beat USC this weekend more than likely. They'd have Oregon State, who would be a ranked matchup left. And then it would be a revenge game against Washington, more than likely in the Pac-12 championship. And I think to me and to the committee, that's traditionally mattered somewhat. If you've got one blemish on your schedule, if everyone looked at Oregon in that game and said they looked like the better team by and large, myself included, who was there for that game, calling it, and now you went out and actually beat it in a conference championship game that's also supposed to matter to the committee... I don't know how you'd be able to keep that team out given the criteria. I think their closest competition would be Alabama because, Dad, while Texas would have the head-to-head win, a lot of it's going to depend on the how do they look at this point in the season. For Texas, that loss against Oklahoma looking worse and worse as Oklahoma goes along right now. But more than anything, that's where the eye test because we'd be so far removed. Head-to-head matters some it's one part of the equation it's not the whole part of the equation and so i wouldn't be totally averse to a conversation about at that point in the season who is playing better between alabama and texas and if there's a wide disparity there having that supersede the head-to-head that we saw early in the season how about if if because i I agree with you because that would be the question because texas beat alabama head-to-head but we would be pretty removed from that and how are both teams winning after that 
How about Oregon and Washington? If there is a slot for one of them in the Final Four, if Oregon beats Washington, now they've each beat each other head-to-head, but is it is it what have you done for me lately? Do you think Oregon would get the nod over Washington because they beat him in the Pac-12 championship game? Because they would each yes, have the 100%. argument of, of we beat each other, but I think Oregon would get the nod because of the lateness of the win. Yeah, 100%. And just, you know, again, how those teams have looked since then. While Washington was able to get the win over USC that last weekend, was not a ringing endorsement for their defense in that game that looked like they struggled almost as much as USC's. And so I think that would be a major issue here. I think Alabama, once again, has become a team that has a chance to be the fly in in the ointment in a very real way for everyone. Because right now you look at where we're situated in the top 10. Ole Miss is really the only team going down to 11 with Louisville that doesn't to some extent control their own destiny. I think Louisville would need some help even if they ended up being a one-loss ACC champion and beating Florida State. Ole Miss doesn't even have a clear path right now of their own volition to get to their conference championship game. Even if they beat Georgia this weekend because Alabama's got the head-to-head win, Ole Miss would need help just to get to the SEC title game and try and get through that gauntlet. And I really think this year you're going to struggle to see anybody barring chaos who gets into this conversation without a conference championship game and while i don't think that on its face value just saying i'm the conference champion means a whole lot it's a 13th data point yes it's another quality opponent that you're potentially facing and for anyone that's unfamiliar that's the only weekend of the college football playoff committee watches games together and i think we've talked about that a lot relative to notre dame in the past when they've been involved in these because they don't play in a conference championship game to me it is less so oh you're missing out on this cool title of being conference champion and more hey the committee's all watching these games together and everyone else gets a chance to make a closing argument that you don't get to make on that weekend if you're notre dame without a conference or if you're these other teams who are quality teams who might have one loss who are all of a sudden on the outside looking in of your conference's final game we'll get back to the nfl next sound the trumpets it's horse racing time so saddle up for the action with dk horse an official DraftKings affiliate Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Eagles are on a bye week, but we got a Super Bowl rematch coming next Monday with the Chiefs. One new face the Eagles are hoping will be a difference maker here. Newly acquired safety Kevin Byard and the guys had a chance to catch up with the newest Eagle. So let's take a look at that. All right, very excited. And, and I still imagine, Kevin, it's weird getting introduced now as Philadelphia Eagles defensive back Kevin afford- Byard here. Have you gotten used to that at all in your first couple of weeks? It's, it's still taking a little bit to get used to. Uh, still getting adjusted, still settling in, but obviously it's great to be a Philadelphia Eagle right now. We're 8-1 and, and going into my second bye week of the year. I actually think I might be the only NFL player this season that's going to have two bye weeks. So it's kind of a little good little setup Ooh. right there. I was going to say that that's a nice little setup you got working there, a little more rest <laughs> for the body. And aside from football, how is it, you end up back where I think you grew up until you were about 14, 15 years old, grew up in Philly. So how, how does that feel going back there? It's great, man. Honestly, uh, you know, I'm, I'm living a dream right now. Obviously, have some great years in Tennessee. You know, I, I got drafted uh, by the Titans, a place where, I, you know, I played my college ball 30 minutes outside of Nashville. And it's kind of like a full circle moment to be able to come back to Philadelphia, a place I grew up in, uh, can actually just drive down the street and visit some old uh, places where I used to play basketball and play football and, and go to uh, elementary school, middle school. So, uh, not, it's been awesome. It's been a dream. And obviously being able to spend time with my family, uh, it's been great so far. So wait, with that in mind, because I'm sure I, I want to get into 
the inside view of someone who's been traded and not just, you know, the back end of a roster move. You were a captain. You mattered a lot to this Tennessee franchise. But as you're getting ready to go back home outside of your immediate family, who was the first person that you heard from? Was it someone you grew up with or anyone around there once they found out you were coming back up to Philly? It was a crazy, you know, crazy deal. Obviously, I've never been traded before. I've never had to leave uh, the team that I played, you know, seven plus years on the team I got drafted by. So I got the call from from Vrabel. We obviously we we had a long little talk and kind of, you know, keep that a little bit private. But, you know, it was a good conversation. Um, So first thing I did was call my mom. I mean, call my wife, obviously. Uh, We kind of talked about told her what was going on and. AJ reached out to me, so me and AJ jumped on the FaceTime, and obviously I talked to Howie and, and, and Nick and all the guys. Um, but the crazy thing about it is, is that my phone had got spammed so hard with phone calls, texts. Then I had a, a couple conversations with some of the coaches on, in Tennessee, had a conversation with coaches in Philly. And so while all this is happening, it's probably within like an hour or two hours, I have a lot of family calling, people sending text messages. And then I'm thinking like, oh, man, well – I got to pack some clothes because I'm about, I got a game this week. You know what I mean? So it was like, this thing happened so fast and I ended up catching a flight like six in the morning, the next morning, shook a hundred hands, took a physical. And then I end up diving straight into the playbook with the coaches. I didn't leave the facility that day. It's probably like eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock and literally got up in the morning, had my first practice. So it's been a whirlwind the past couple of weeks. The smartest thing you said there was your wife was your first phone call and that, yeah. that was the right move. Uh, <laughs> 100%. Uh, yeah, without a doubt. So trading now in the NFL, I mean, even when I when I played and then talked about the game for so long, the NFL trading deadline was just a day that came and went. Now it's become way more important. How about from the side of it's one thing to change teams in the offseason when you have the whole offseason to learn a new playbook. Now go from, as you said, that whirlwind you just talked about, and oh, by the way, you got to get ready to play a game in a defense you haven't played in before. So talk about that process of trying to digest the playbook that quickly. Yeah, it's been a challenge. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm honestly still settling in. Uh, There's a lot of things that I'm kind of just learning on the fly, Uh, you know, and then I guess that's the reason for OTAs and training camps and practice because you want to be able to place yourself in so many different scenarios, situations that so when you get in the game, you know, you can hit those scenarios. And as of right now, I'm kind of learning on the run, learning in game sometimes. Um, but at the end of the day, man, uh, as being a professional football player, uh, we understand this business. And at the end of the day, you know, nobody really cares. You know what I mean? Like nobody's going to sit here and feel sorry for a guy that just got here two weeks ago, that he don't know the playbook fully. You have to go out there and try to perform to your best of your abilities. So uh, I understand that in the back of my mind. So like I said, I'm trying to do everything to put myself in a position to succeed. And uh, you know, I think I've done, done a good job so far, but at the same time, it's so much more, more room for growth. And I'm going to continue to grow within this defense, within this scheme, and, you know, and also as a veteran leader on this team. Is part of you then mad at Josh Dobbs for going out and creating unrealistic expectation of what guys can do on the fly after the, I know you and Josh were teammates for a hot second there in Tennessee. Yeah. Do you call him up after this weekend and go, dude, you're making this miserable for the rest of us because everybody thinks now you can just learn the cadence on the sideline and go and win a football game. <laughs> no, man, Josh, man, he's a, he's a special cat, man. He's a brilliant guy. We all know his academic prowess. I mean, this guy, you know, I think he interned with NASA or he's done some things with them. I mean, this guy's extremely smart. So for this guy to learn two or three playbooks uh, within a year, I'm pretty sure it's kind of, it's light work for a guy like him. And uh, I remember <laughs> last year, I think he got signed and he was just on practice squad for a week. And then he immediately started in the next week because uh, obviously Ryan uh, had got injured. So uh, he, he's a special guy. I think he's a really talented guy and I obviously wish him the best and hopefully he continue to have success. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what, that's what it's all about. You know, people want to hear guys success stories, no matter, you know, what situation they're in. So, you know, we, we don't really have time as professional athletes to, uh, to, to pout and to complain about, Oh man, well, or make excuses about, well, you know, I just got here this week or whatever, you know, at the end of the day, we have to continue to be, uh, on the forefront of, of I, I would say, just being examples uh, to people that may be going through tough times. Because, I mean, you know, in this economy, in this world, you know, people are having tough times. So we want to be that light to say that, hey, obviously we are human. We are going through real life circumstances. But at the same time, you know, people want to see us push through those circumstances. And, you know, that's what, you know, we'll continue to do as professional athletes. 
and you've pushed them through them well. A couple games under your belt now in Philly. And in Tennessee is always with Vrabel, a defensive guy, always tough defenses with the Titans. Now you're in Philadelphia. Give us a little thumbnail of what you've seen from this defense, from this D-line to the linebackers, back to your secondary, and just how impressive they've been. Yeah, I mean, it's just a talented group of guys. I mean, obviously with the defense, you know, you're talking about some veterans and those those hungry guys that's on, on that front four. Uh, talking about BG, obviously he's a Phillies legend who's been there for a while, and obviously Fletcher Cox as well. But Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, you have some really young dogs in the middle. You got Jalen Carter, you got Jordan Davis. I mean, those guys are phenomenal, and they can really get after the quarterback and obviously stop the run as well. Uh, you know, even in the secondary, you know, you talk about Slay and Bradbury, two veteran guys who I've always admired their game. And, you know, they're just, you know, truly locked down corners. But we also have some younger guys. We have some young guys, Eli Ricks in the slot. We have Sidney Brown. He's a rookie as well. Um, so it's just been fun to be able to come in and kind of see the culture, you know, see how they do business on a day-to-day basis. And really just try to see where I can fit in as far as obviously a role, you know, as a playmaker, but at the same time as a leader. And, and for me, uh, and I, obviously I forgot to mention my guy, uh, Reed Blankenship, uh, you know, yeah. MTSU connection right there. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure to be able to come in and, and talk to him and have conversations and see the ways I can help him to become a better player. And same thing with some of these young guys. So it's been exciting. You know, have we been perfect? Absolutely not. But I think that the best thing about, you know, this game and, and, and this sport is that, you know, you want to always continue to try to improve and grow. And what better way to do that when you're still eight and one? You know what I mean? Like we know <laughs> that we haven't played our best football, but that's the beauty of it. We're always going to continue to try to improve and get better. You know what? From that standpoint and the standpoint of being on now your second bye of the season right now, uh, you got good karma on your side right now. I'll say that much. So what's the plan for the bye week here as you get ready to go here as someone who gets to take a breath in this new stop on their journey? Well, I don't want to take too big of a, a deep breath because I, I have to continue to try to learn this playbook. Uh, continue to dive in and, and, you know, I'll be reaching out to the coaches as well just during this week, uh, do some conditioning, get some workouts in and then get ready because, you know, we have a gauntlet of a schedule coming <laughs> up. I mean, obviously it started, you know, on Sunday with Dallas. That was my first home game at the link and it was a playoff atmosphere. We have the Chiefs coming up Monday night. Then we got San Fran. I mean, they, then I think we got the Bills after that. Then I think we had the Cowboys again. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we have a very intense schedule. So, uh, we don't have too much time to kind of dwell on our eight and one record. You know, like I said, it's still a lot of meat left on the bone. And we're going to continue to try to uh, keep get, getting one or no every single week. But I tell you what, Eagles fans got to be pumped. You've already got all your teammates' names down after only being home here a short time. <laughs> and you've already got the we and our down in the diction. I was wondering how long it would take to make that shift from Tennessee <laughs> to here now. Kevin Byer dialed in unsurprisingly. Kevin, we appreciate the time, man. It's been fun watching this process for you. Best of luck going forward. Enjoy the bye. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Oh, absolutely, man. Thank you guys for having me on the show. All right, guys, time to finish this off the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your day. As always, hit us with the download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us that five-star rating. Check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, and more. And if you missed any of our great guests today, we just talked to Kevin Byard, now from the Philadelphia Eagles, Andrew Whitworth, former NFL offensive lineman and current NFL on Prime analyst, and our dear friend Charlotte Wilder, co-host of Oddball with Amin El Hassan. You can listen to any of that wherever you get those podcasts and right here available on YouTube when we get done with the show. We will get to one of my former teammates getting called out in a big time way about a wardrobe issue. Right after we get to a wardrobe assist for you guys here, we're brought to you by Wrangler, guys. It's jeans, shirts, and jackets made for the ride of life, getting you ready for the cooler days and the longer nights and styles that are going to keep you warm, comfy, and moving and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler literally anywhere, at work, out at night, playing a pickup game, which I would like to actually see, or with friends at home watching the game on TV. They're that comfortable, they're that durable, and there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion, casual tees, snaps and button-ups, you can layer them together for a little bit of both and don't forget the iconic wrangler jackets because when the weather starts to chill and that does still happen in southern california might i add 
the perfect stop for the occasion. Wrangler is going to keep you ready for anything. Add some Wrangler to your getup with jean shirts and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great so you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use promo code GOJO15. Wrangler for the ride of life. Guys, let's get to this. Jimmy Clausen was a very well-known name in college football. So Jimmy was my teammate for two years at Notre Dame. He was very famous for the recruiting picture of him holding up all his high school state championship rings. He was supposed to be the guy, Dad, kind of like Ron right. Paulus back yep. in the day at Notre Dame. It was not supposed to be how many, if he won a Heisman, it was supposed to be how many. Jimmy ended up being one of the top picks for the Carolina Panthers when he went out and started his NFL career. And Cam Newton had a very interesting video about Jimmy Clausen. Do we have the video, guys, yes or no, of Cam Newton talking to Jimmy Clausen? I, I, no video. It was very no expletive-laden, so I was sure that that was probably yeah. going to be an issue. <clears throat> but, Dad, Cam Newton had worn the number two when he was in college. Jimmy Clausen wore the number two in Carolina. And so, like we see in a lot of instances, guys will barter for the jersey number when you got a young guy coming in the league who wants to wear a jersey. And Cam Newton put out a video saying when he came came into the league he asked jimmy clausen if he could get that number two jersey there's usually a price you pay some guys will send right. people on vacation and jimmy apparently tried to get him for a million dollars according to cam newton who he promptly told to kiss his ass so dad cam went on to say that from that point on him and jimmy are cool now but he made it his mission to make sure that nobody would ever know who jimmy clausen was around that organization my question to you dad is is jimmy wrong for asking for a million dollars because i don't think so you're not wrong for asking for a mill, but you got to have a settling number. And it sounded like that was it. Take it or leave it. I mean, it's fine. Well, to Jimmy start said at he would. Mil- he said he said it would come down to seven hundred and fifty thousand. Was the update that Cam Newton came, so he took a quarter mill off of it. So I guess it's whatever your final number is. Ask for whatever you want, you know, uh, and get what you can get. If in fact you want to get something out of it, and obviously it wasn't, it wasn't going down low enough for Jimmy Clauston to say I'm going to give up the number for less than 750000 because this happens a lot. I don't know how much it happens now, but this certainly happened in a, my former teammate and punter um, with the Eagles, Jeff Fiegels, when he was with the Giants, he gave up his number, I think, twice, Eli Manning and Plexico Burris. And in one of those deals, he got a brand-new outdoor kitchen for his place. I mean, the, the whole the whole setup for the outdoor kitchen. So that's what he was looking for. So I'd imagine it's like anything else. Get as much as you can, but don't ask for too much, right? Or be ready to come down in your price and settle on something. That's the way I would look at it. I would say, am I willing to give up this jersey? Okay, I'm willing to give up this jersey. Now I need to play the game of negotiating and getting as much as I can for it, whether it's cash, whether it's an outdoor kitchen. I think Feig's also got a, a, a vacation for his family as well. Um, so that's what he was looking for, and, and he got it. Some people just want flat-out straight cash, so it all depends on what you're willing to settle for. I need to send out the text message because I haven't actually confirmed with Jimmy or not on his side of the story if this is in fact true. This is Cam Newton's recounting of events, so I'll do a little right. bit of journalism overnight here and see if we can reach Jimmy Clausen for comment on if he actually asked Cam Newton for a million dollars, which it's kind of like the lottery for me. You can't win if you don't play. Cam right. Newton signed a rookie contract four years with $22.025 million and a $14.5 million signing bonus. So... He had the money if he wanted it that bad. That's all I'm going to say. I would not have spent a million dollars on a jersey either, but I've never been that rich before. Um, Dad, Jesse, let's get to that in more important news. Jesse, we finally saw someone yesterday give a voice to the voiceless in a way that I am really, really endeared to. Yeah, so Andy Cohen just wants to booze, okay? And I think we can all appreciate this. Uh, Like, so in... The Rockineers Eve that they do, it's Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper, right? They've been doing it for years. Yes. In 2021, and they're like known for being boozy on air. In 2021, they made a little comment about Ryan Seacrest over on the ABC broadcast. It was, you know, specifically uh, uh, Andy Cohen was like, said something basically like, nothing horrible. They were just like, it's trash over there. You should be watching our broadcast. And then CNN goes ahead and bans them from drinking after that comment was made, and people have been in an uproar over this, absolutely hated it. 
So Andy Cohen is now coming out and campaigning for them to be allowed to drink again. He said specifically, give the daddies their juice. Dad, you've done you've done this job a lot longer yeah. than me. So I'm curious your opinion on this because we talked yesterday about our broadcast idols, the people who had influenced us coming up. And I grew up for years when I was home in the middle of the day, early on especially, with my mom watching Kathy Lee and Hoda in the middle of my day on television, slugging a glass of wine at like 11 in the morning and seeming like they were having a great time delivering a really compelling, interesting show, all while a little bit under the influence. I feel like that... That should be the standard for all the rest of us. We'd all be a little bit more entertaining, a little bit spicier with the takes if we were just a little bit above that legal BAC. I'll say this. I had zero problem with any show if to say, go ahead and have a drink while you're doing the show. But if you're going to do that, you have to live with the consequences of that. If all of a sudden you get some loose lips and maybe say something you shouldn't have or the alcohol we know becomes a truth serum. And now you said, because when you say it, it's just like when you hit send, it's out there. But it wasn't you can't bad. Delete it. It What's wasn't that? bad. No, no, it no, no. Like- I want, oh, Jesse, I, I agree. That wasn't bad. My point is it can get bad. And I don't mean just with these two. If we let, these, let people drink during a show, someone's going to say something. That is going to go as in a very, very bad direction. So that's my point. Good. I don't care. I would love to be having you know a morning toddy while we're doing this show without question. But if we say something then dumb, that's on us. You have to know you're responsible then for your words. And we know alcohol can loosen those lips a little bit. Okay, but we should petition DraftKings to, on my first show back from maternity leave, yes. let us drink during that Absolutely show. Absolutely right. Yes. Completely agree. Amen. We'll get hammered. File that one yes. up the flagpole to our bosses oh. here. Jesse, let's get to the third. Speaking of something that's going to require drinking. Yeah, so <laughs> Elon Musk's company Neuralink is now looking for humans who will volunteer to let a robot cut into their brain and insert a probe. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this story. So basically they're trying to insert chips into our brains. They're the ideal candidate for this particular thing they said is gonna be a quadriplegic. And the reason that a robot is the one that's cutting into your brain is a human surgeon cannot do this with that much precision. And I was talking to my husband about this this morning, and he said to me, didn't they kill like a bunch of animals and stuff? So I looked into it. It's not, I would not want to volunteer for this. No, no. And I would also, no, no to the robot. And also with the, that's one thing where I will separate. I don't want doctors to be able to drink before surgery. We can drink before a show, but not before surgery. I think we can all agree on that, correct? Agree. I don't want Elon Musk anywhere near my brain. I've seen what he's done to the website that I've called home for a while. I don't need him doing that to my brain. If we've improved your brain without a chip, (laughs) make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating. Thank you so much. Have a great day. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Probably drunk.